Continuing today in the gospel, and it's not a gospel reading, in the scripture reading from the epistle to the new to the Ephesians, the sixth chapter, starting at the tenth verse. Note we've been picking up these words, therefore is an important word. If 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 the text says therefore, you want to pay attention to what's coming, because they're telling you something important. And now we've gotten to Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers that in this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand, therefore, and fasten the belt of truth around your waist. Put on the breastplate of righteousness as for As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all these, take the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. And to that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me, so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, 
for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly, as I must speak. Friends, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So to review a little bit, remember, Ephesians is written, most say by Paul, but not all say that, to the church at Ephesus. Ephesus was a great city, metropolitan city, cosmopolitan city. It was the intersection of three major highways in the Roman Empire, so lots of commerce, lots of travel, and it was the site of the Temple of Artemis, which was a very popular, essentially, tourist attraction. And Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus to say, at this point, don't let the things of the world take over your thinking. And that's especially important given the context of Ephesus because there was so much worldliness in this city. So we go back. The first chapters of the book of Ephesians, Paul is laying the groundwork, saying to us, this is why we must be unified. We can't fight over Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians, over these people and those people, over the poor and the rich, over any of that stuff that other churches may worry about. We can't afford that. And the reason we can't afford that is because Jesus himself is our peace. He has broken down any dividing wall of hostility among us. In chapter 4, we get some ethical concerns in living out that kind of unity in chapter, for the church at large. In chapter 5, we get it for peace in the home. And that's where this book gets controversial, talking about marriages and slaves and masters and parents' relationship to their children and all that kind of stuff. And then now in verse 6, finally, we pay attention to that word, finally, this is the culmination. He's saying, this is what I've been getting to. Pay attention now. Finally, pay attention to the battle that's happening between the culture, between the culture of the church and the culture of the world. But also, cosmologically, pay attention to the battle that's happening between God and the devil. And know that God will provide you adequate resources for that fight. Now, you've heard my take on this. Many of the really contemporary churches in our society right now spend a lot of time talking about the enemy coming to get you. Beware of the enemy. Look out for the devil. And there's room for that in the biblical narrative, but you know my thing is that I'd much rather spend time focused on what God can do for me than what, on the, than what the devil can attack me with. But here, 
the author of Ephesians says, no, there really is a spiritual battle going on, and you need to pay attention to it. Now, N.T. Wright says, God is a personal God. We can relate to God just like we can relate to a person. But Satan is subpersonal. Satan doesn't have the same relationship with people that God does. God is our Father. God is our Creator. That makes us His special creation. We don't have that relationship with whatever the evil one is. And so because of that, we have a special case to stand firm in this cosmological battle. Now, pay attention to what stand firm means. I bet all of you at some point in your life have come across the obnoxious Christian. You know who I'm talking about? That person who says, oh, well, you go to the Presbyterian church and they don't believe blah, 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 so you're not really living in faith. The church I grew up in, we had somebody said, oh, well, you don't speak in tongues, so the Spirit doesn't really know you. Obnoxious Christian. How do you know that? It's not what the Bible says either, by the way, because the Bible says speaking in tongues is a gift, and we're all given different gifts. So to stand firm in your faith is not to be obnoxious. The word is very clear. That to stand firm is to stand firm in your convictions, but not to be stubborn or ignorant about them. Rather, to be willing to debate and argue and listen and consider alternatives, but yet hold firm in what you believe as they have been nurtured in your tradition and in your community and in the depth of your reading of the Bible. That's a lot different than the obnoxious Christian. Stand firm. Hold on to your convictions. But don't hold on to them so strongly that you don't listen to anybody else or nobody else will ever listen to you. This was really important to the people in Ephesus. They were truly religious minorities. People there worshipped Artemis. They didn't worship Jesus. And there were hundreds of other gods, literally, that had temples there that people could have worshipped. They had to be very careful about who they named as their enemies. Their enemies weren't people who worshipped differently than they did. Their enemies were things like sin and evil and death. To stand firm wasn't to oppose that other person that believed differently than them. To stand firm was to oppose those things that opposed their very beliefs. And here Paul says you can stand firm, one, because God gives you the tools to do it. 
because of that special relationship you have with God. And two, because of that special relationship you have with God, the most important tool you have is prayer. You can pray and focus in this continuing battle of culture wars, this continuing battle of knowing how to relate to people who are different than you are, and you can come out speaking the gospel of peace. Remember, the crux of this whole book is Jesus is our peace because he's broken down the dividing walls of hostility among us. tools of the spirit that the Christian has are things like prayer and truth, the Holy Spirit itself. Now next week I'm going to pick up on this last part of this text that talks about pray in the spirit at all times and in everywhere. But for now, you might hear me pray when we're praying here to quell dissension in this church, to put aside unrest, to be a church at peace. If you believe anything at all about spiritual battles, what you believe is that the evil one heightens the tension in the cosmic battle when God is planning good things. This church is about to take off in the spirit of God. Good things are coming. And we can stand firm against that through our prayer and our focus and the peace that we have with one another. God has given us those tools to live in unity. Thanks be to God. Amen.